man, what a win. What a win. We're going to have a happy flight back to Toronto, Canada, Toronto, everybody. I cannot wait to get back to you guys. Tuesday's going to be electric. I can't wait. This is how we wanted to finish off this road trip. The boys, we're vibing right now. We're having a lot of fun. I'm thrilled, ecstatic. It's going to be a great ride home. So let me ask you this, Mr. Barker. You asked a question. <clears throat> I don't know. Round about the season opener about who might be a surprise for the Toronto Blue Jays. And you now we talked about, well, let's see what you say Kikuchi brings after that spring training. Um, we talked a little bit about Dalton Varsho. Um, Whit could Kevin, Whit Mer- thank you. Whit Merrifield. Could Kevin Kiermeyer be the surprise? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Three for five, five RBI yesterday in that that crazy 12-11 win. But, I mean, he's been he's been good almost from the get-go, including spring training. He, he has. Well, he's a great defender. I think we knew that coming in. The offensive side of the ball, we really didn't know what we were going to get from him. Uh, his bat path is flatter. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any other way to sell that, right? It's, he's not trying to get the ball in the air anymore. You see where the ball, balls go. Even the ball that he, he gets jammed gives him a chance because of his path. It's flatter. That means it's in the zone longer. It doesn't have as much uppercut. And for him to be a lefty coming from the Rays who try and hit the ball in the air all the time, it's not the easiest thing to buy into. And, you know, there's been rumblings that he said that he wants to hit more singles than anybody in baseball. Now, hmm. I don't know if I, I would like to see him do that. I just want to see him hit the ball hard because he's got speed. And if he can put the ball in play and stay on the field, right, that's the big thing is that's the big question, Mark. How long can he stay on the field? Yeah, I don't see why not. You know, Whit Merrifield for me, I, look, look I, do we really know how many hits he's going to get? How much playing time is he going to get, right? Oh. Is, he the, is he the everyday second baseman? Is he going to play left? Point. Is he going to play right? You know, that, that's, the, that's the thing, right? It's, it's, you look at the stats, five through nine. I, I mean, a bunch of those guys are not playing every day. Brandon Belt, he's stunk since he's been here. It's 23 bats, 15 punches. Like, that's, that's not getting it done. So, yeah, he's the obvious choice because the, the big games that he does have, he's in the middle of everything, right? It's, it's sort of like buying into, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the ditch digger. And I'm going to let the superstars drive me in. It's kind of cool for him to say it out loud because not a lot of dudes say that. And for him to buy into it on a really, really good team, it's pretty cool to listen to. It's pretty cool to watch, too. I, I do know this. He's the first guy in a long time that's fun to watch run. Uh-huh. I, I'd pay to watch him run. From home, to, home to third is kind of fun to watch. How, um, how much of an adjustment when you talk about uh, the level swing? How much of an adjustment is that for a hitter? Because you you you've talked about the raised drills, right? Where they would have the you know the fences out there, and you're basically forcing their hitters or trying to get screens their hitters in the infield, yeah. screens in the infield. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Trying to get their hitters to to hit the ball, you know, hit the ball into the air. Um, how much of an adjustment is that for him? I think it's a big one. I mean, his age. He's been around a long time. He's been with the Rays a long time. He's been, you know, sort of having that beat between the ears that this is what we're going to try and do. It's okay to hit 215 as long as you hit some home runs and you're hitting over the infielders. We'll take your chances that way. Now, it's work for the for the race, right, because of the, the way they can pitch and the way they, you know, have always ran the bases. That That's the approach. Yeah, you got to buy into it. I, I think that's the one thing, his age. You know, this is a one-year deal. He's trying to get paid a little bit more money. You know, he's a good player. I don't, I don't want to say he's a great player. He's a good player. Right, and and for him to try to get a multi-year deal, I don't think he would be. 
having as good a chance doing it with an uppercut in his swing because he's going to miss the ball more. Jeff, that's that's it, right? And he's came here, and they basically said, you know, we're going to give you those those days where we just have to give them mm-hmm. off because we're trying to keep you on the field. But you're the everyday center fielder. That means against lefties. And I don't know about you. I used to try and do that uppercut in my swing, right? I had a long swing. I was out and around. I was a cast guy. You do that against lefties. If you're not short and quick and have a more – flat, plain, level swing, you're not going to be consistently putting the ball in play, and he's bought into it. That That's the thing, and he's able to do it. And he's, he's just said, okay, if I hit the ball on the ground or I just fight to get barrel to baseball, I'll have success because I'm fast. That's half the battle. That keeps you out of slumps, too. If you're fast, you know, he can bunt a little bit. He, he can slap a ball, make the infielder go one way or the other, beat that out at first. That's better than going 0 for 4. 1 for 4 is better than 0 for 4. So, mm. yeah, maybe he's the guy we should start looking at. After you say Kikuchi facing those really good teams, those really good guys in the middle of the order, he sort of looked like a, five, a number five guy supposed to look. Well, let's let's talk about that. I mean, let's kind of sum up the weekend here. The Jays... Uh... Oh, my God. I mean, it, the the Jays won Friday, uh, a start that looked like it was going to it was going to come off the rails with early Chris Bassett again. Again with the feel like a Seinfeld thing. Again with the pitch uh, uh, pitch con. Uh, an issue with that. But, but you know, he kind of kept body and soul together. And, and you know, I think we saw, I, I think we saw in that 4-3 win, uh, we saw... We saw what he can do when he's on, right? We saw, especially with Otani, we saw what he can do when he was on. That's, if you watch that game, you can see where all the soft contact comes in, can't you? you yeah. It just, I mean, I think, what was the, what were they talking about? He, um, uh, you know, he had very, very weak contact. The average velo, I think, uh, uh, after that home, after after Trout's home run was like 80.3, 83.1 miles an hour. So bottom line is when contact was made, it was weak. Yeah, he has, he has to be really good with his spin. Like that has to be effective. It has to, the slurve, the slider have to be, I don't want to say great because that's, that's a lot to ask. You know, he's got eight different pitches, but the sweeper and the slider have to be borderline great. Like it has to be, you have to add and subtract that. You got to be unpredictable with those things. You got to be able to eliminate a guy with a with strike three with that. Like it has to be really good. His location of the cutter, which he doesn't throw a ton, the four seamer, the sinker, like that has to be almost borderline great, right? The location, but he's setting it up with spin. And I do think this is for me, mm-hmm. Jeff. I don't know about you. The pitch com now, all of a sudden, you would think he could use that to his advantage. Game planning between <laughs> starts. Some, there's something in there with that, right? You, you can tell he's tankered with it. He doesn't really, even really know where to put it on his body. Right, right. It's no, like I gotta yeah. hide it with my glove. It, it's on so my it's like, What the hell do I do with this? Where, where do I put it? Do I put it yeah. on my glove? Do I put it like? There's a lot of things going on with with him trying to figure that out. Other than just trying to think. Okay, I get it. I I try and execute my pitch to set up the next pitch. Like there's a little bit more of the pitch calm than there is that. So. I think he can use that pitch comp to his advantage. You know, between starts, it's you're going to game plan with that. You're going to, you know, I throw this pitch, the next pitch, because I can already game plan between starts, I'm going to push this button. So the catcher sort of knows ahead of time sort of where he needs to set up. And and if he misses with this pitch, this is the pitch I'm going to call because I'm sort of tunneling off this. So you can set up here. My misses will be a little bit better because he has to have good misses. He's not a hard thrower. Your misses have to be good. You have to be good with the with the spin. 
He's a smart dude. Shy made, smart dudes are, are key when you have eight different pitches. Shy made an interesting point uh, in his article out of the game as well, and something that I think you, I think Pete Walker may have talked about when you had him on, when we had him on. But he talked about also Bassett's release point and how I'm going to use the word against St. Louis in the first start it was kind of sloppy. I'm going to say, in other words, the release point in the curve that was the, I mean the. The shy broke down. The release point in the it was telling. It was telling the release point. Uh, pitch, excuse uh, me. I don't know if that just one pitch in particular. But if you looked at if you looked at yes or at Friday's performance, it was that nice tight little dot you want, which would suggest that he was, you okay. know, little, feeling uh, comfortable. I mean, and if, if we we want to go that far into it, okay, I think location was better, right? It's it's big league hitters mm-hmm. have a, a good enough game plan. They're going to try and let the ball travel with him because he's not a hard thrower. Location has to be really really good, like we like, saw with Otani, right? With it. Right, kid, you yeah. just can't miss down the middle. You do, you're going to get hammered. You can't miss a little bit up and away to a left-handed hitter early in the count, right? It has to be maybe that pitch is better with two strikes. This is what I'm saying. Like the pitch com has been a real issue with him. You can tell that, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a, a he is fighting it. Like he just it's for whatever reason. And then you had Kirky and not Danny Jansen. There's another thing, right? So you're you're even seeing when they were coming off the field when he knew it was his last inning, he gave Kirky a hug. Like, way to go. Like we we, we, <laughs> we got it through together. it somehow. We, we figured it out, right? We actually we actually gave our team a chance to win. So I that's what my point. I think I think the game planning with the pitch calm now between starts is a big deal for him. Like, he can figure things out and game plan accordingly to make it go a little quicker just so you didn't have to think about it as much. And that will make it a little easier if they do have to go with Kirky instead of Danny Jansen. Then, you know, you're more game planning with that pitch comp thing. So, yeah, misses and the sweeper and the break on those two secondary pitches, those are key for him. He does that because he's a smart guy. He's a good pitcher, Jeff. You know, it's that's that's the thing, right? You're probably not going to get 180 innings off him. If you get 160 and most of them are quality, you take that. Jays are 6-4 and four in that 10-game trip. They have today off. They will play their home opener tomorrow at the Rogers Center, the newly renovated Rogers Center. Of course, that game will be on Sportsnet 590, the fan. And Sportsnet, it'll also be the third installment. Um, Alec Manoa is making the start. It'll be the third installment of uh, Hazel May and Stephen Payne's feature on Alec Manoa Obsessed, which will, uh, f- this one will focus on the um, uh, the relationship and the rivalry with his older brother, Eric. And uh, they're both in business now. They've both got, I think it's Manoa Driven is the name of the, mm-hmm. of, of the, the fitness center that they're involved in. It'll be a lot. It'll be, it'll be a lot. It, it'll be a lot of fun. Funny you brought that up. Any worries that the heart rate will go up, his stuff won't be as good. We saw it in game one. We didn't see it in game two. Now the crowd, the new the new look, Rogers Center, you know, he's pitching that game. The crowd's going to be going crazy. I understand it's Detroit, but it's not about always Thank about God his competition. Right? Yeah, Any I, worries? I mean, yeah, but only because I've been saying I thought Kevin Gossman should have got the start in the season opener and mm-hmm. therefore – would have got the start in the home opener. That's all. I, I, I just, yeah. But am I worried about the heart rate? I would be, yeah. You know what? I, I was, I was actually, I was actually thinking about this. 
I'd be more worried about the heart rate at home for the home opener than I would for the season opener. Yeah, it's it's almost like you but, look. You don't look at mile per hour with him. You look at his finish. If yeah. he's falling a lot off to, towards the first base side, which means he's trying to give it a little bit more. Oomph. The other thing I will say though is he's now he's had he's had that couple he's had that start under his belt. He's done a side session. From all reports, the side sessions were good. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Maybe this will be different because now it's a, you've, you've got a routine going, right? Now it's not the first game of the year. You've done your stuff. You've been on the road. You've had your side sessions. It's almost like now it's become, I wouldn't say it's become a job, but now everything seems to be normal. I mean, we'll see. The place, I've got to think the place will be crazy. Um, It'll be fun. You know, Detroit is, yeah, my God, a- they're bad. Yeah, they're the worst team in baseball. They are the worst. Well, you know, I want to see the Pirates now. If O'Neill cruises out for an extended period of time, which it sure seems he's going to be at that fractured ankle. But Yeah, that hurts too. But worst team in the American League? Yeah. I don't think it's close. Yeah. Um, I'm not certain. I'm not certain it is either. There's just there's nothing there's nothing going on there. Uh question for you. All right, so we talked about Chris Bass, and I think we're both on the same page. About Chris Bass. No question. Kikuchi. I'm sorry, Barrios oh. and Kikuchi back to back. Took you 13 minutes to get to that. We saw what the impact was on the bullpen. And I'll, I will give Kikuchi credit for giving them, he gave them an extra, he gave them an inning more probably than he wanted to I, give them. I think 6 nothing too. <clears throat> you give John Snyder credit for when he took him out. Yes. Most managers would have left him in because of what they had to do the day before. I mean, John Snyder. See, I thought he might have taken. Day, I I thought he would have left him in there. Okay, all right. I just, thought- just because of the, the the scoring, because basically what you're doing as a manager, you're doing this as uh, the, the scoreboard will tell you what you need to do. Yeah. But what happened yesterday, on top of what the scoreboard says, would have said you just leave him out there and let him throw it. I mean, he can get through that inning. It's five. In, it's it's five innings instead of four and whatever he went. Then you got a little opportunity to maybe save that guy for an inning instead of bringing it out for two-thirds of an inning. Like, I just thought, give him credit for actually trying to give his lineup a chance. What I don't, what I wonder is this. Can you afford to have both of those guys? Can you, can you have them back-to-back without... We talked about how the long man is gone right now with the eight-man bullpen. Can you do that without having a dude... Almost a second. Almost Mitch White. Can you do that without having Mitch White around to maybe come out and give you give you two innings or two and a third innings? God, think- to me, Trevor Richards doesn't do it as a long man. I don't know about you. He, he Listen, if Trevor Richards is still in this bullpen in another six weeks, I'll be surprised. So mm-hmm. I think you need to have that other arm. And I didn't. You know, I just I didn't think I'd be saying I, I, that this I, early. I mean, with the next eighteen games coming up, other than with three with against Detroit, you're what getting, are you're they? Getting, well, you're getting three with Tampa. You're getting three with Houston. You're Ugh. getting three with the Yankees. You're getting three with the White Sox. You're getting three with Seattle. Answer to your question is no. So what do you like, do? Like if you, like, that's a tremendous question. Do you I, have an, I don't know do you have an off day in there other than today? Yeah, that well, you, you have can... two. Uh, yeah, well, you have two off days. You have one the twentieth, and you have one the twenty okay. sixth. Seventh. So, so it's awfully a, early. Have to, a couple off days there. It's awfully early to play around with but, your but rotation, again, isn't but it? But again, you're seeing if 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 you say Kikuchi has to face a couple of really good hitters stacked in the middle of that order, which he's going to have to do. The way it's going to look is the way it's supposed to look, right? Yeah. The cutter eighty nine ain't going to work against a really good team. It's just not going to. 
Like I'm, he's he's married to it. Like it's just that's the thing. You love his velocity. Like he's he's out there. Like he's gonna give you every. Mm-hmm. He, he started throwing a few more little get me over breaking bars balls. Unpredictability, right? He's trying to give you everything he can possibly give you. But against really good teams, Jeff, I mean, he's the number five guy for a reason, right? And then Jose Barrios, like that's borderline minor league stuff. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm gonna be the guy to say it. It's borderline minor league stuff. Like the stuff that he goes through. I mean, I. I sat home and did stat. I was stat heavy, which you know me. I'm rarely stat heavy. But it's odd how you are when Barrios starts stat heavy. Because you're trying to figure stuff out, right? Yeah, listen, I agree. I think it's to the point where if you're Pete Walker, you just leave him alone. Like, what else can you do? I mean, you've revamped everything you can revamp. I mean, he's throwing his breaking ball more. I I heard Joe Siddle say you need to throw more breaking balls. He's doing that. He throws his breaking ball 39.4% of the time. He throws his fastball, which is fourth seamer, 24% of the time. He throws his sinker 25% of the time. The only issue, because they're hitting 143 off the slurve. Mm -hmm. So you'd you'd think, okay, that's why he's throwing it 39.4% of the time. They're hitting 400 and slugging 900 against the sinker. They're hitting 462 against yeah. the fastball, the four-seamer. Bat bip, which everybody's in love with, you know, that'll be the – that batting average of balls in play, 467. Like, okay, if I'm him, I'm going to simplify this, and I'm sure Pete Walker is. He's, he's a – he he is unbelievable at that, right? The only home run he gave up. He ain't giving up any homers. I mean, he gave up his first one. That mm-hmm. was off the sinker to a lefty, obviously. Right. Like, I mean, the fastball's good hitting. I mean, that, that's why that's why you hear Joe Siddle say that. You just you get married to the slurve. I mean, they're hitting 143 off of it. Just throw it and continue to throw it till you can't throw it anymore. Maybe that's it. Maybe you start sprinkling in a few more changeups. That's right, right? In his last start, he threw 71 pitches. He he had six swing and misses off the slurve. He threw it twenty seven times. So how many swings and misses did he get off it? Uh, off the sinker he had two. He threw it twenty times. Off the four seamer he had one. He threw it fifteen times. Off the changeup he had four. He threw it nine times. So four. So nine. maybe maybe that's it, right? Maybe you throw more changeups and more slurves. But thirty nine thirty nine point four percent is a lot off a of slurve. So. And if you dig a little bit more into it, because I did all this homework, so I'm going to read them out. It's rare that I come on here and do this number thing. You know how I am, right? I'm not going to do this. I'm more the break it down guy. Because you would think, right, is he having more issue against lefties or righties? No, righties are hitting 389. Lefties are hitting 320. So, no. I will say this. Here is what it is for me. There's swing counts in every hitter, mm-hmm. right? Every 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 good hitter talks about swing counts. I want to get myself into a good count. For me, What's a good count, first of all? Uh, tell us. 0, 1, 1, and 2, 1 okay. are the swing counts, are or you can count. call them chase counts. Right. Right? Those, for me, are the big counts. Those are the counts that he is really bad in. 0, 0, 1, 1, and 2, 1. Those are the counts, for me, that hitters are really bearing down against. you got to make better pitches if you're him. And strike one. Strike one percentage for him is 54%. League average is 61%. Right there, there's two things if I'm Pete Walker. I ain't talking about mechanics. If you want to say throw the slurb more, you could probably say that. But for me, I'm going to tell him you got to figure out a way. If Even if it's a, a get me over, you stay on top of a breaking ball or a changeup, how do you throw strike one more? And how do you get better in those counts? If you can get better in those counts and better in strike one, 
I mean, he's throwing 17 pitches per inning. It's just not good enough. His stuff, Jeff, is not good enough to throw that many pitches to good hitters. It's, it's just not. The fastball is not. We can. I think we can come to that realization now. That's, we have to be honest with this. His stuff's not good enough. Like, the fastball's not good enough. So, he has to throw less pitches per inning, be better in those chase and swing counts, and be better with strikes. Let, strike one. Let me ask you this. That The three-pitch strikeout of Otani, slurve, sinker, slurve. Hey, is two, that two slurps? Is there? I mean, is that almost a? Do you almost want to show him that and just say that? That's. I, I'm sure. I mean, what? I mean, he's I'm sure he's, he knows that. Yeah, right? you have to give him credit about one thing. He's done whatever they ask him to do. Like he's eliminated yeah. his windup. He's on the the third base side of the rubber. He was more uh, noticeable on the third base side. Uh, yeah, this time. I yeah, think. I mean, he's he's trying to. His velocity's good. I mean, he's maintaining his velocity on all of his pitches are good. Like he's done everything because he's a he's a great dude, and he gets that he's not doing, you know, or living. If, if you want to say it, he's living up to his contract. He's not. He knows that better than anybody. So it's not lack of effort. Now it's just I think you got to just if I if I'm Petey and I and I'm not and Petey's great at this but you just leave him alone. Maybe you suggest all right this time around in his bullpen session try and throw more strike ones. And and you give him something to think about about those swing and chase counts because if I'm Jeff good hitters that's the counts right I force it. 1 2 is a huge difference than 2 1. 0 1 1 0 is a giant difference. Two, two, three, one, then two, two is a big difference. Right now, I've eliminated his breaking ball, two, two, or yeah. three, one, three, one. Right. So you're, that's what I'm saying, right? Swing counts and chase counts, he has to be much better at because he's given up a lot of hits then. The, that's, I, I sort of feel sorry for him. I mean, he's, he's, he's trying very hard. He's tried everything. Now, now it's just performance driven, right? It's, I, now I, I'm, I, it's harsh to say, but it's up to you to figure it out. Yeah, and they need him to figure it out because we've talked about. Uh, I mean, there's nobody in the there's nobody in the minors, especially with the good teams that are right coming now. up. He's about he's going to face some good lineups. The White Sox now have a good lineup, right? The Yankees, obviously, the Astros. You know, they've had some hiccups, gotten off to a slow start, but they're going to figure some things out. Seattle, yeah. right? They're one of the best teams in the American League. Like they've they've made some adjustments. It's Tampa um, Bay is the best hitting team in baseball. Yes, <laughs> like they're the best team in baseball. Uh, yeah. Uh, Want to talk about Matt Chapman, obviously, and the continued hot start. And actually, Kiermaier Springer, it's almost like Kiermaier's a leadoff hitter now to that ninth spot. Kiermaier, Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, and Chapman. But before we do that, we heard a lot of talk in spring training about attention to detail. We heard a lot of talk about the Jays wanting to be play a cleaner game. Are they where you thought they'd be at this point in the season? Are they still making mistakes that would bother you? What are you talking about? I'm talking like running about running the bases. The running. See, that doesn't bother me that much because they're being aggressive. And that's, and, and I think John Schneider was right. We, you know, you want to do that, but we're still seeing, you know, Bo's made some errors. Uh, Dalton Varsho. I mean, that, that ball, ball in the, in the sun. sun. Alejandro I mean, I, Kirk yesterday. Well, that's not, there's no excuse. For not that. coming up with uh, the, there's no excuse for that. The pop-up. You're in the big league. Is it, is, has it been as clean as you thought it would be? Uh, clean's a... Let me put it, do you care? I think it's that, early in the year. Do you care? Should we care about that? It's I, early in the year. I, okay, I, I, I think their bullpen might be a little bit better than I've let on. Yep. I, um, I do. I, I'm going to say that. Uh, no, nah, I, I just don't... 
still think that it's a championship bullpen. No. You know, Jordan Romano flipping that slider. Well, I, I, I wanted mean, to, to ask to you about really, that. that well, Ty, Ty, why, why would you do that you know, with you, Trout on you, You'd have to ask him. Throw 99. What, what, well, what that does is if you miss and it's non-competitive like it was, that forces you now to where you have to throw to both of them, Otani and Trout. I do, Trout's I, probably not hitting into a double play because of the situation. Right. He's trying to get, you know, loft on the baseball. Nine times out of ten, he's probably not going to hit that ball on the ground or he's going to strike out, right? He's trying for the big inning and, and walk that thing off, so you're probably not getting a ground ball out of that. I don't get it. I mean, I get, it's very hard, again, to come on here because the dude's had early success. And, and well, what he did last year, oh, man, it's a hat slider heavy. And when you get in the playoffs and you're facing, okay, prime example, that's the double he gave up to Renfro. He took, Renfro came up who's sitting, I don't know, under 200, mm -hmm. took 98, center cut, middle, middle, right down the middle. What do you think he's looking for? You know what he's saying on the on-deck circle? 99's hard to hit. Slider might I, beat it. But that 88 to 89 that yeah. sometimes don't break. I look for that. Yeah. He got it and didn't miss it. That's the thing in the playoffs. So yeah, look, I mean, they're they're good enough to make the playoffs. And and I'll I'll give Tim Mesa credit too. That's the Tim Mesa you want to see. Yeah. 94-95 with some attitude. Like here it is. I'm facing your best player. I got to come after you with my best stuff. See that Tim Mays all the time. And now, and now all of seen a sudden it, you know, you're okay we, going it, to it. It's strange, right? Because we've seen Tim Mesa twice this year. Think that, that game against St. Louis when he came out and it was just business. Then we saw 90 to 92. How'd that work out? Yeah. And then we saw 94, 95, 95 yesterday. How'd you, that work let out? Let me That's, ask you this. Do you read anything into the fact that that the Jays used Zach Pop in consecutive days? Like, are, are, is that a sign? Because, no, and they did, that, fans they did that. In, he's got good stuff. They did that in spring training as well. Hey, he's got good stuff. Okay. I think it's you're matching up against a couple of righties coming up, right? You're, it's pockets. And he's got good stuff. I mean, it's 97 with some movement. Yeah. You got good stuff like that. That helps out. So, yeah. And, and uh, I think their lineup's really good. Well, like I think their lineup, I, I think they, for me anyway, this is just me. I think they're going to have to to let a second baseman figure some things out to, to just mm -hmm. figure out mechanics and timing. That revolving door, I'm, Santiago Esmol, you. you know, going a couple of days off and playing like it's it's very hard to do. And then coming in and playing three in a row and not playing I mean, for two these, days. These guys or, are really good at pitching. Like there's there are a lot of times really good at locating their pitches. And when you've been sitting over there for a couple of days, a lot of these guys like Kevin Biggio, look, if he's going to be on your team, you got to play him some. Like you got to give him a chance to figure some things out. Santiago Espinal, Brandon Belt, I got no idea what to, what's going on with that. He looks like he's cheating to me because of how much he's missing the curveball and the slider. And the, do, but, we need, do we need to give him more time because he's coming you? off an injury? Because I think, I, it's only 23 at bats. You could say that. He goes three for four. I probably nobody's talking about this. But does he look like he can go three for no, four? Kevin, he's just missing everything. Hey, he's got 15 strikeouts and 23 bats. That's the thing, right? I mean, it's it's about it's sort of like that graduation thing. You're taking little pieces and moving forward. Do you, does he look like he can go three for four? Yeah, I don't. Um, Matt Chapman. Uh, I mean, we, we've almost run out of we've almost run out of things to say I mean, about Matt Chapman. It, I had some. I had someone that, asked me this today. I, I, I'm sorry, yesterday, friend. We're ran into him in the street. Does a toe tap make that much difference? That's what he, he's heard you talk about that. And he said, does it make that much difference? May, may, maybe it does for him just because it gives him better, better rhythm and timing and allows him to see the ball better. When you, st when you 
hit from a straight standstill, you have zero barrel awareness. And I just bring it back to every time now that he swings the ball up, he, the first thing, it's not mechanical. It's not where his barrel's at. He's not making any motion about where he needs his hands to go and the barrel will follow. No, it's about the pitch. It's about I need to get the ball down, which will tell you he's in a happy place of the good separation, the athletic position for him. Absolutely, it does because mm. look at the how the ball comes off the bat. We uh, saw it last year. I mean, the contact it's is by inches. Just think about the balls last year that they were catching on the warning track. Now all of a sudden he's catching that a little bit more out front with a little bit better extension and a little bit more maximum collision with the baseball because of the way his lower half's working. Kevin, he could, absolutely he could he could crush it at the Rogers Center if it plays the way oh, we if we man. if it plays the way we think it's going to play. With that right center thing, if you've noticed, the right center gap at the Rogers Center, I don't remember what it is, but it ain't what it was last year. No. It's like 20 feet closer. I know it's taller, but those are more doubles. Yeah, look, I'm not saying he's worth still worth $200 million, but if he continues to do things like this, now I'm not saying live like he's living in a tree right now. Like he's just, everybody's wanting to walk by and give him a hug so mm-hmm. they'll rub a little off. Maybe Brandon Belt needs to go shake his hand occasionally. Well, it's also... but. It's also, I mean, they're just, that group, even even Dalton Varsho, there's just so much happening at the plate with them. That, that is... And Springer's gotten off to a slow start, too. So you can, you can look at how many runs they're scoring, the quality of their bats. You know, the bottom of the order is the bottom of the order. You're at the bottom of the order for a reason. You look at that lineup, yeah, uh, that lineup yesterday. Bichette, Guerrero, and Chapman right now. It's like the Bermuda Triangle. Is, that is hard contact, hard contact, hard think contact. Think about that. That's four righties in a row. Yeah, but a chi- well, if, if sort chi- of what you're trying to get rid of, but that's the point that everybody was making. You need balance, but you need your best hitters up front getting the most at bats. Right? I was going to say, I mean, Matt Chapman, you talk about graduating. Matt Chapman keeps, it, keeps this up. It's not going to matter whether it's righty or lefty. It's not. I, and I think it gives Varsho a little bit of breathing room, too. Now, now all of a sudden, with the way Chapman's hitting... You know, all this traffic that Chapman comes up with, you can't pitch around him to get the bar show if you're a lefty, right? Yeah. So it's you just sort of one's feeding off the other. And then the bottom of the order, again, I just think the bottom of the order is at the bottom of the order. If Kiermaier continues to do what he is, and maybe Kirky starts to figure some more things out and can be a little shorter and, and quicker to the baseball and his bottom hand's a little bit better, his bottom hand for me looks lazy. Like, it just doesn't look like it's working the way it's supposed to be working. And then that could be a lot of reasons. I'm not going to say those reasons, but it could be a lot of reasons. So he gets back to where he could slide up, go and score a ton of runs, and then you figure out those two guys in that rotation, Jeff. <laughs> the way they're running the, the bases. David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson, the podcast. He's a former president of the Marlins. He will be along at 11 a.m. 11.35, Mark Topkin's going to join us for a few minutes. We talk about your Tampa Bay Rays. I take them. I mean, I... We will deal with the Rays. We will dig deeper into the Rays in our In the East segment coming up next. Also, a lot of talk about Aaron Judge. Two home runs yesterday. Of course, it was against the Orioles. 37 career home runs for Aaron Judge against the the Orioles. The Red Sox swept the Tigers. We'll talk about that as well. But Aaron Judge in particular had some things to say in an interview. Where was that interview from that you were playing the other day? I was in a batting cage on it was YouTube, with, but it was was it with Harold Reynolds? Reynolds, Reynolds MLB.com. Yeah. But it was it was it, it was interesting. Yeah. Aaron Judge talking about hitting, but he talked a little bit more about it 
yesterday as well. So we want to take a deeper dive into that as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker, the home opener for the Blue Jays is tomorrow. Uh, if you're going to the park, get there early. There's going to be all sorts of fun stuff fun. going on. You get to try out the different sections. Word is, it's beautiful. Yeah, people it, are going to love it. Can I just make? Can I just ask one thing? Let's hear. It. I just ask one. Thing. As long as it's good. Yeah, well, well, no, it's it's. A, I'm just hoping that. Don't you say? I have a I have a I have a bit of concern about <laughs> the behavior of Toronto baseball crowds every now They'll and then, especially when there's there. a lot of people there. They'll have security. Yeah, they'll have security. A lot of it. Just you know, don't. It'll em- be fine. Don't embarrass us. Is what I'm asking. I know you're going to drink. Just don't embarrass us. Don't throw stuff at the visiting relievers. You can boo them. You can boo them if you want to. Like you can screw with the pitchers by counting down the pitch you clock. You can do that. Make sure you do it the other I'm team's. I'm not sure pitches. I've even heard that this year. Have you? There was anybody? Uh, yes. Um... You heard, a, you heard a fan base actually do that? Yes. Uh, five, four, three, two, I, one. It was... It was uh, I've not heard that. Spring training, you heard that? No, no, no. No, it, it, it hasn't been much of an issue, but it was it was like I in San Diego that. or someplace. But anyhow. Because I, I, if, if you're an opposing team and Bassett's throwing, you could do that basically every time he le- releases <laughs> a baseball. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Mm. Um, hey, you know what time it is? It's Monday. In the East. In the East. Gotta come up with a catchier oh, name for it. Oh, that's good stuff. How about raise up or something like well, that. <laughs> yeah, our uh, our trip in the east, around the east, begins. My race begins where all good in the east begin. The nine and Tampa Bay Rays. Are you kidding me? I mean, they could have the. They come into Toronto, and they take two or three from the Jays. No, it's too early to say that. It's too early to say that. The Tampa Bay Rays are 9-0. We haven't seen that in baseball. Uh, I mean, what? The, 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 the 2003 Kansas City Club at the Royals had the largest winning streak to start a season. But, I mean, the thing is how the Royals are winning, or how the Rays are winning. They've outscored their opponents 75-18. The first team since 1884 with a run differential greater than 50 through nine games. You were there. I was there. I remember that. No, I don't remember the 18. I don't remember the 18. I Yeah, I do remember the 1884 St. Louis Maroons. I only vaguely remember the 1876 Hartfords of Brooklyn. But, uh, yeah, the 1884 St. Louis Maroons had a run differential of plus 78. The New York Gothams, plus yeah. 63. I My Razor, plus 57. And here's the thing. It's not just the newsflash. Ray's pitching is awfully good. First in ERA in baseball. Newsflash. It's the offense that is, I guess, surprising. And yesterday, I got is it Brandon Lau or Brandon Lowe? There you go. Brandon Lowe. I always get the low Lau. 
Brandon Lau slugged his third career Grand Slam yesterday. It sounded like this. Brandon Lau. Ooh. He left to fly I wanted it. Deep right. <laughs> People will go to the track. That baby's gone. Grand Slam home run. A Grand Slam to left. And the Reds suddenly lead 5 nothing. Yeah. The uh, Rays went on to uh, for an eleven nothing win. This this over is the a, this days. is in baseball. First in runs scored, first in RBIs, first in home run, first in first in home runs, right? Second in average, first in OPS. Wander Franco is hitting three fifty one to four homers. Randy Arozarena has eleven RBIs. Jeffrey Springs, Jeff has two starts, has has not given up a run. He has a zero ERA, devastating changeup. He has nineteen Ks in thirteen innings pitched. How come you're not saying I told you so? Because when we looked oh, at the, well. when we no 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 because of this when we looked at the American League East at the start of the year we had Brian or in spring training we had Brian Anderson on we talked about the Rays you talked about Wander Franco as being their quote their Vladdy Junior or George Springer. He's so because of the health and those things staying on the field, they, they just look like a different lineup. Like, they look like a different team with him playing shortstop. And Jeffrey Springs, look, the, the changeup after the, the fastball that he moves in and out can elevate. I, I know the lefties sort of gives him a different look. You get Glassnell back. And, and they're uh, bringing – the plan is apparently – Mark Topkin will join us later on. But I believe the plan with Glassnell – is they're essentially going to say to him, "Give us four, give us five. Like they sure. want, they want to be careful Air with it him. out. And I mean, you can do that. Now they have played some really, really bad teams. Well, they have, but it's not their fault. Like no. it's not. This is exactly what a really good team should do to bad teams: yep. is do that to them. Uh, Brandon Law was asked afterwards about the start, about the team. This is what he had to say. Essentially, just everything going exactly the way that we want to. You know, pretty it's, much. It's great when you roll out the, the five starters that we roll out and then turn it over to a pin that I feel like we haven't really, really used all that often. You know, it's we make fun of Pete for, for not getting out there too often, but, you know, it's as an offense, it's something that we want. You know, we don't want our closer thrown every day. You know, this is incredible baseball that we're playing, and we hope to keep it up. Wow. Yeah, it is. Don't want our closer throwing every day. Well, you're doing it. I mean, Yeah. You know, and and we talked about last year with with the postseason. One of the things that stood out about the postseason last year, the more innings you got out of your starting pitchers, which means the fewer innings you got out of your relievers, the more likely you were to have success. Other than yesterday, I've said this to you. It's amazing what good starting pitcher does every team, but amazing what it makes a really good team look like. It takes them to a whole different level. If they get that, their bullpen's not abused like it has in the past. I... Can I argue and say they might be the best team in the American League East? I mean, right now, it's, I mean, they're 9-0. Well, I mean, the they Yankees play are some 6 better and teams, But, man, like you, what what if Franco stays on the field all year? I, I mean, I mean, it's a wait-and-see kind of thing. We might be overreacting because of their schedule. But he said it. They're doing exactly what they're, they should be doing. Yes. Yes, they are. The Yankees, meanwhile, they uh, went into... Baltimore to take on the Orioles. And uh, you know what happens when uh, the Yankees go to Baltimore? 
And the pitch is lined deep to left center field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Another Judgian blast. He hit the ball just where the bullpen began at 376. And he hit the back of the screen that protects the fans from the pitches. <laughs> Another Judgian blast. <laughs> All rise. Here comes the judge. That is a John Sterling with that's the call. Tremendous. Two home runs for Aaron Judge yesterday. 37 career shots against the Baltimore Orioles. That was, by the way, his first multi-home run game of the year. It will not be the last. Ah, uh, Kevin, he owns the Orioles. But I wanted to play this clip, and I'm gonna and and then bring you in later on because I want to talk about his approach to hitting something he said last week Lance this was Aaron Judge after the game in his walk-off interview talking about good at bats a single for you and a pair of home runs what allowed you to get into that type of rhythm at the plate today you know swinging at strikes uh, making sure I'm starting early in my load you know so I can recognize pitches and you know, just having confidence in my teammates. You know, Rizzo's been swinging the bat well. We saw him hit two balls hard. He got robbed on one. You know, DJ in front of me setting the table, having good at bat. So, you know, just about, you know, swinging his strikes and be ready. Okay, Kev, that was yeah. Aaron Judge in conversation with our fr- conversation with our friend Meredith uh, Markovitz after after the game. So that's Aaron Judge talking about hitting, but but. Go into a little more detail with his approach from that interview he did with Harold yeah, Reynolds. Yeah, well, it, well it's, a, it's a big deal because of his size, because of how tall he is, right? He doesn't want to be too steep to the baseball, which means he doesn't want to take that hand and drive it down on the baseball because he can go in and out of the zone too much. He wants to think over the second baseman's head. That short porch in Yankee Stadium has just been the greatest thing ever mm-hmm. happened to him because it's forced him to stay inside the baseball, and that's what he talks about, right, a lot. Is He doesn't want to get in the zone quick, too quick, because it keeps the bat a little bit more level for him, which he can drive the ball out to right center field. It's not field. easy being a, a really tall dude and, and hitting, and, is it? And No, but he also, we, we've heard about the left eye. Remember when we had Varsha's dad on, and he was talking about the left eye stay behind the baseball, the which, I'd, ne- which yeah. I'd never heard that before. Judge talks about hands to see the pitcher to hit the fastball in. Explain which, that. Well, which... Earlier in his career, he had his hands a little bit closer to his face because it was a little easier to keep his hands closer to his body, right? The further your hands get away from your body, the weaker you are. And it was a lot harder for him to get to fastball in because he would start in here and just sort of fight it in there and not be free and easy to it. With his hands a little further away from his body, now he's able to just let Barrel get in with the back elbow and sort of create that loft with the bent upper half and always think right center, Mm. sort of like Chappie is doing right now, right? A lot of good hits to right center. What that does is that keeps your front shoulder in and keeps your barrel in the hitting zone a long time. So the 62 homers just didn't happen because it's because he has that plan, right, of not being too steep and, you know, not getting in the zone quick enough, all those things that go into being a great hitter. See, I, I, we asked at the start of the year, we did our, our MVP picks for Sportsnet.ca, and we talked about it as well. And I don't think Aaron Judge is going to hit 60 home runs this year. It's going to be hard to hit 50, but I think he can still win an MVP award hitting 45 to 50 bombs this year. Well, I, really I mean, Tawny Trout, after watching those two dudes, if they're healthy, they're going to give a serious run for their money. I mean, those are elite players on both sides of the ball. If he plays 150 games, he'll hit 50 homers. That's the thing, right? That's the big thing is if he can play, he's done it two times. He's done it exactly that. He had 50 
two or three after 54 one year. He hit 62, obviously, last year. He plays 150-plus games. He will hit 50 home runs. Now, the Boston Red Sox swept the Detroit Tigers, which is really no hell. Um, but I don't know what to make of the Red Sox this year, Kevin, only because we have seen them in the past come into a year, and they have not been fancied, and everybody's looked at other teams in the league and said this is the year the Red Sox finished last, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. I don't trust the Red Sox. I don't trust the Red Sox on either side. But uh, yesterday, as we said, they beat the Detroit Tigers 4-1. And uh, Tristan Cassis, their rookie first baseman, had a couple. uh, He had a home run and uh, an an RBI single, I believe, or an RBI double. But here's the thing. He was hitting. He was 3-for-23. Left-handed hitter, 3-for-23 coming into the game yesterday. Alex Cora... Put him in against a left-handed starter. And this is what Alex Cora had to say after the game about his rookie left-handed hitter leaving him in against a left, uh, or putting him in against a lefty, knowing that he was scuffling. I mean, he, he got two fastballs against lefties, and he put a good swing on it to the pull side. You know, I was actually thinking more the other way. But, uh, you know, it's something that uh, kind of like when I was going through my slumps, you know, I actually love facing lefties to see the ball and try to stay inside the ball and go to left center. And all kidding aside, that's that's what I meant, kind of like see it, make decisions and stay on. Hit a foul ball the other way. He fought some pitches and uh, three, two count, I think it was. Different angle, good ride, good stuff. That's what I meant, you know, and he can hit lefties and righties. He did a good job in spring training with them. And I'm glad that today he put two good swings and gave us a chance to win. Now, Alex Cora was a left-handed hitter. He played in 1,273 MLB games. He was a handy guy. I mean, he was not a, he was not a superstar player, but he was a handy guy, played multiple positions. You were a left-handed hitter. I wanted to ask yeah, yeah. you about that because that's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? I've got a rookie or a young guy, three for 23, uh, having all sorts of difficulty. Sure. You would think that screams... Give him a day off, but you'll put him in against a lefty. Well, the benefit of that is it's not about well, all about winning this year. It's about development a little bit. That oozes confidence to your player, right? If you're a manager, I'm sure Cora walked up to that player and was like, hey, I get it. He's left-handed. I get you're three for 23. I'm throwing you out there. I just think you're good enough. You, you've shown us that in spring training. So it oozes confidence. That's the first thing. Yeah, it does force you to swing it a, little, a few more strikes, right? Most lefty on lefty don't like the breaking ball. You see that a little bit? from Varsho, forces you to look for the ball up. You're thinking left center a lot more, which keeps your front side in. I mean, as long as it's not Randy Johnson, right? right. A guy that throws a bazillion sure. miles an hour who gets everybody out right. It's got to be the right left-hander. Can't be a dominant left-hander. So, yeah, good for Cora, right? That That's what you do in one of those years where you really – I'm sure they don't know who the Red Sox are. I mean, yeah. We don't. Fans no. don't. The the media don't. We I'm don't sure have they any... don't know who it is. But they're trying to find out. Yeah, I don't have any – And throw him out there. I don't have any expectations of them. I don't have, I don't have high expectations, but I, well, don't, I, I don't necessarily have low I'm, expectations. I mean, but... it's real easy. They're 27th, 27th in starters' innings, which is really bad. They're 28th in starters' ERA at, at over six and a half. Chris Sale's ERA is Sounds very much like the Blue Jays, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, pitches per inning are almost 19. Corey Kluber, right? I mean, is it add and subtract? He's still an 87, yeah. right? A Cutter Crawford, what are you going to get? Like, they're trying to figure these things out. They do have Devers. Adam Duvall, four homers, 14 RBIs. Although he did. That's probably why they're winning some games. That's a surprise. I talk, I talk about who's the surprise for the Blue Jays. Adam Duvall. That might be there for the Blue Jays. 
Although, uh, for the Red Sox, should mention Adam Duvall left the game yesterday with a wrist injury, diving for a good. ball. Yeah. So, in a wrist injury, I mean, no injury is good, but a, a dude who's getting off to a good start. 14 stakes is a lot this early in the season. Yeah. Uh, that is our look around the American League East, uh, brought to you by the Tampa Bay Rays. Raise up, everybody. I mean, it's hard not to. It really is. Like, yeah. You know, and then you get the Orioles. The Orioles are having a good start to their season, too, right? They're going to be pesky. They're they're getting enough from the guy, the, like the Kyle Gibsons of the world that came mm-hmm. in. They're getting enough solid starts from them. Adam Frazier's hitting 320, playing second base. So they're getting enough of the veteran guys. And I don't know about you, a guy that we never talk about, Jeff's right, Mount, Mount Castle. He Unless just, he's playing the Blue We talk well, about him when he's playing to. the Blue Jays because he freaking owns you the Blue ha- Jays. You have to. But in the middle of that order, he gives you competitive yeah. bat. He's got, he knows what's going on. So, and, and obviously, Adley Rushman, who's – I mean, he's turned into a superstar. I'm sure he'll get paid soon, too. So, you know, and they found the closer, which is what you want to do as a young team. I think when you got that guy you can hang your hat on, it's hard not to try and win baseball games if you got a legit closer. So, American League East is tough. It's it's uh, It's – I don't know, Kevin, if I've seen a team in two years flip the script on what people think about it the way the Rays have done. Or, I'm sorry, the way the Orioles have done. Not in the American League East. Like, they've gone from being a tire fire. Yeah. They're going to lose. We thought the they were going to lo- we thought they were gonna lose 100 games last year. Yeah. I mean, they still could have. Like, hey, look, it, uh, for me, it's you, you found your, your catcher. Like up the middle defense is a mm-hmm. big deal for a championship team. Blue Jays been trying Cedric to do that. Mullins is good. That's, You've got useful of, guys. That's one of the questions is, can you win a championship with Bo Bichette playing shortstop? That's yeah. the big question, right? Defense up the middle. They sort of found that with the superstar behind the plate that the Orioles have. Their, their rotation is, eh. Like that's the one thing, right? That's for me how it's right. It's a little hard to take them serious with that. But they're pesky. They're young. They don't know any better. And when you don't know any better and you got a really good closer, Jeff, yeah, it's got it's it's and you got a manager who is I think tired of losing. I, you know, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's a, sort of losing's enough's enough. Like you know, it's okay. We're we're happy. I'm happy to be a manager, but man, uncle, like, I'm tired of losing. So the American League East. I mean, it's just another team. That's this is why this is why I said the surprise thing. Mm-hmm. Every single one of these teams point to a surprise. That's sort of where, you know, the guy that you weren't really talking about who could have, you know, that special year, Volpe for the Yankees, uh, Duvall for the Red Sox, right? Uh, you just – Kevin Kiermaier for the Jays. Like, there's the every Everybody's little, got one guy. Absolutely. Everybody's and if, and if got that guy, guy has sort of that year where he can help you win four or five games and, and make you an 88-win team because Springs of might be the su- surprise guy in the race. There it is. Jeffrey Springs with the changeup. I think they thought that he was really good, but now he's got two different changeups. <laughs> I said it's the race way. It was yeah. the race way when I played against them. That, that was the thing. Fastball command and the difference in the fastball and the velocity on the changeup. That was the thing. You always knew what you were going to get. That's why you were very aggressive off the fastball. So, yeah, the American League East, welcome to it. <laughs> we will take a deeper dive into the Rays with our friend Mark Topkin in the uh, bottom of the hour. We'll have the back leg line, 416-413-3959. I've got tickets to give away with today's trivia question. And when we come back, David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson on Metal Arc Media, former Marlins president. We'll talk about Miggy Cabrera. We'll ask David Sampson, how do you solve a problem like Brios? 
Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet 360. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, a reminder, if you're listening to us via podcast, Ron Podcast, please rate and review. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk all week. Jays take on the... Detroit Tigers, and then the Tampa Bay Rays come in after a four-game series against the Red Sox. I did not ask you the six and four. Yeah. Bottom line, you okay with this road Absol- trip? Absolutely. Yeah. The way the two starters looked, and they yep. got out of there with at least everybody being healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. But there is some I'm question marks. What do you do with Belt? What do you do with Barrios if he has a couple more starts like this? It's a thing. I like you say, Kikuchi, I'm okay with this. Like the velocity's there. Like he's going to give you everything he's got. Like it's, I think we've turned the page on sort of that for at least for, I have. Yeah. And, and I look, he's I, the th- number five guy. That's what five guys look like against good lineups. And this is the first time that I've wondered whether or not Jose Barrios's stuff is good enough because the fastball slurves good. The slurve is good. The fastball's not. It just doesn't seem to be effective. It, it, it. I People don't are not afraid of it. No. no. No matter what the count is. Like, I was trying to think, you know, when's the last time you've seen somebody have an uncomfortable at bat against Barrios? No, Tawny, he had, a, that was a good at bat he had against Barrios, the, the slurve, sinker, slurve at bat. But a lot of the at bats against, I, a lot of the at-bats against Brios guys just seem to be very, very comfortable. Righties are hitting 389. You tell me. Well, the good news is that Jose Barrios still has what, five years left in that, de- that deal. Now, he does have, well, the deal runs through 2028. He does have an opt-out after 2027. <laughs> Stop laughing. Which would mean leaving forty-eight million dollars on the table. Uh, he makes fifteen like million this it. year. The good news is it goes up to seventeen million next year, and then it goes up to eighteen million the year after that. Now, here's the thing: you have an ownership group that is not afraid to spend money. Clearly, yeah, clearly they're not. They're, they're, I don't think they care. They're about not the afraid money. to spend money. I don't think they do. No, if he was performing, I don't think. I don't think they would. do. Absolutely not. Just what do you do with it? But that's the question. That is a lot of money left. Uh, that is, by my count, 35, 53, 53 million guaranteed before the opt out, and then after that, 48. So we're still looking at over 100, 100 million uh, for a guy who, if he finishes out his contract, will be 34 years old. I used to think that there was such a thing as a contract that couldn't be traded. Then I saw Vernon Wells get traded. <laughs> and at that point, I thought, okay, everything I know about baseball is wrong. Let's bring in David Sampson, host <laughs> of Nothing Personal with David Sampson, former Marlins president. Let me, before we get into the Brios, David, let me ask you this. Is there such a thing as a truly untradeable contract? Only when the, you give a no trade clause and that player has zero interest in winning 
or in even playing. So if you, if you, if you do that and the player's willing to sit on the bench and uh, doesn't want to move his family, that is an untradeable contract. Everything else is tradable. Okay, how? what would you do? This is, a, again, I can't believe I'm asking this because it's still early in the contract, but faced with this situation, and, and if you were part of an ownership group like this, that I mean, this ownership group is at, is at the luxury tax threshold right now. How do you approach this? Like, it's too early to say it's a sunk cost, isn't it? Way too early. Patrick Corbin is still pitching for the Nationals. There you go. Oh God! So Don't even mention. Yeah, it, you just. I just got a <laughs> shiver down my spine hearing that name. Which means it can always get worse. That's true. Uh, the Blue Jays have a great advantage here because they can afford to have a sixth or seventh starter making eighteen to twenty million dollars, and there aren't many teams who can afford to do that. There's no reason to release him. There's no reason to trade him on the low. Only bad front offices uh, trade players on the low. The best thing is to trade someone on the high. You can extract the most value that way. You know that you've got six years left, including this year. You know that it's an escalating contract. You know he's not going to opt out because player opt-outs are horrific for the team in every scenario. You can never be on the right side of a player opt-out. And so you just have to decide Is there someone in your organization right now who every five days gives you a better chance to win, both in terms of today and tomorrow? And right now the Blue Jays don't have that, and they're okay not having that because they can cover him up. So stop thinking of him as a top-of-the-rotation starter. View him as an overpaid fifth starter who hopefully will start giving you more innings. Hopefully, as you just said, some at-bats where players are uncomfortable – but in the meantime, until he starts costing you a pennant, you're going to keep putting him out there every five days. Yeah, I'm going to let Kevin jump in here in a minute. But one of the things I, I you know, look, he's a good dude. He works right, hard. Dude. He sure does. Uh, there's, you know, there's no issues off the field that we know of, all that stuff. How frustrating is that for ownership in a front office when you can't at least say, oh, my God, he's a bad guy? You know, I, I mean, you can't. There's nothing you can poke holes in this guy other than the fact that he's not He's not performing. I mean, that's got to be frustrating, doesn't it? It's terrible when you make when you sign a bad contract and you know it's bad right after you sign it, mm-hmm. and you really thought that you were doing something good by trading him and then extending him. Let's not forget. I mean, such short memories. We were on this show celebrating the fact yeah. that you now have an ownership group who is bringing in a guy on a deadline yeah. deal and then extending him. How great is that? Mm-hmm. And now we're only a year later, and we're saying, "Wow, we can't get anyone out." So the front office has to remain much less emotional and much less on a roller coaster than fans are or we are in the media. But back in my days as president, we would know, but we'd pretend we didn't. So right now in the front office, you know, Mark knows. He knows that the stuff is not playing right. He knows if there's an injury or not, and if there's no injury, that it's possible that he got snookered and that the rest of the scouts got snookered, and that happens, and you move on. And you just sort of change your expectations for that player. And you work with the manager and the front office to decide at what point do you pull the plug on giving him the ball every five days. David, which, well, this is a two-part question. Which one of these conversations would come first? Would it, have you ever, first of all, have you ever had a conversation with a guy that's basically performance-driven saying, okay, we've seen and we've had enough, and this is sort of, if you don't start pitching better, we're going to have to do something. Have you ever had a conversation like that? That's the first one. On the second part of that, we all know sort of, 
killing bullpens, especially with, you know, you say Kikuchi, you sort of don't know what you're going to get. There's a lot of arms you got to throw. Any chance this early in the season that you'd revamp that, right? Look for a long relief guy that you, you know, could give you three innings that would not destroy your your bullpen whenever he started. No, what I'm looking actually for is some minor league depth uh, to put on the train. The train is what we call when we bring players up from AAA in the bullpen, Mm -hmm. and then we send them right back down. It's the option train is another way to say it. But the reliever train, it's where you know there's going to be a bunch of guys who you're going to abuse during the course of the year. They'll be up and down four, five, sometimes even six times because you need fresh arms in. So I'd be looking for depth at that level, quality at that level, with options remaining who are understanding what their role is. Because if you're going to have a deep run into October, your pitching staff is going to look different in October than it does in April. And to get there, you need people on that train. So that's what I'd be focusing on. You've never had a conversation with a guy this early in the season about performance things. Larry, not going to send him down. You're probably not going to trade him this early. At least, you, you know, you probably can't or you're trying to. You never had a conversation with a guy right. like that to say, look, you know, look, you know as well as I know right now performance is the ultimate thing here. We're trying to win a World Series. Never had a conversation like that? Well, yeah, of course. I'll bring it back to a guy we signed in 05 who we thought would help us win. His name is Al Leiter, and his nephew is actually a performing player. And, and we realized that, wow, uh, you're not good anymore. And so first, the first step is that we do it internally so we will start meeting as early as spring training unfortunately hopefully not uh earlier than that Mm -hmm. after a signing when you look at a player and say all right we're going to monitor this but this may have been a mistake and then we'll evaluate after you know let's say the third week in april we're not going to make a decision after one or two starts at all you start talking about it but no decision if there is a problem in performance through april then you're starting to talk to the player about what's going on, but only if it's a veteran player, uh, like an outlighter, where you'd say, hey, how are you feeling? Is there something we're doing wrong? Is there something you're doing wrong? Can we make adjustments? What's happening? And then you move to the designation phase where you've been, you are resonated to the fact that you made a mistake and you designate the player. And if there's one year left on the deal, it's easier, two years less easy, et cetera, et cetera. So with Jose, with five years left, it is you do not designate right now. That wouldn't even be part of your conversation. Okay, one more bad question before we get some good stuff. Brandon Belt has 23 at-bats with 15 strikeouts. Uh, what what do you do is uh, the wrong way to say this. Uh, what do you need to see from him when he does play that gives him a little bit longer leash to play more? That's the question I want to ask. Uh, when we have a player, it depends, right? Is mm-hmm. that player someone who has always – consistently been a strikeout non-contact hitter through the development through the career if that's the player you just have to recognize that's the player if the player has turned into something he had not been then you start talking to both the hitting coach and the player about approach and what has changed is the agent involved because that's happened to me before where the agent says listen we need more power out of you don't worry about the strikeouts or don't worry about getting the runner over because we're not going to be able to go to the room with that or go to free agency with that. This is a critical, they, they call it a platform year, which means this is the year that will be judged most when you get your next contract. So we have to get to the bottom of why the behavior is different and therefore the performance. So we would start that process certainly now, right? Mid-April is not too late to start looking at approach and trying to understand why it's happening. Mm. 
David, Rob Manfred was on uh, this week with George Stephanopoulos on ABC, and he was being, you know, they're talking about the start of the year, the new rules. It was very optimistic. It, you know, obviously there's a, a yeah, everybody's talking about the pitch timer. And what do you think keeps Rob awake at night right now? Because there are still some issues surrounding this game, aren't there? Yeah, well, first of all, what he's doing now, and I'm thankful and happy he gets it, is is a victory lap. And you want to take it now because things could change. And when you've had a bunch of PR losses during the course of your tenure, when you can get a PR win, you want to be out there and in front of it and uh, have people have eyeballs on you. I think it it makes good sense what they're having the commissioner do. But he knows that uh, right now the surface looks amazing. It's like when you bake a cake and the surface looks so good, and you stick the toothpick in, and it's completely raw in the middle, (laughs) and you're like, oh, my God. Or with chicken when it looks perfect, and then it's red and bloody on the inside. Baseball is very aware that they can't withstand a toothpick at the moment because what's going on with the haves and the have-nots is worse than it's ever been. And the fact that we're going to have teams after a week uh, who recognize that they're losing 100 games, they have no chance to be competitive and they've got the stadium issue in Tampa, the competitive issue in, in Oakland and the stadium issue. Your best team plays in front of no people, the Tampa Bay Rays currently. Owners are fighting about all of the money that's being spent by certain owners, and they're jumping all over each other to root against the Mets and the Padres. Meanwhile, they're trying to take the victory lap about what's happening on the field. So all of this is going on, and that's what keeps them up at night is when will people put the toothpick in the cake? Does he have any answer for the issues we're seeing with the regional sports networks in the States? Well, he's hired a bunch of good people and smart people from Billy Chambers on down to figure out what to do, but that's more mechanical in terms of making sure the games are available on TV because that is what you're seeing in their PR machine. That's the talking point. Make sure the fans know that they'll get to see every single game. But that's really not what's interesting to the owners. The owners don't sit around and say, well, we got to make sure the fans see every game. The owners are saying, you got to make sure we get the revenue we projected from our existing TV deals. And if we lose it, you better replace it. And if you don't replace it, then it's going to impact payrolls going forward and the union's going to have an issue. So get ready. So I think that is, uh, that is really what they're trying to figure out. And there is no solution right now. Because when you switch over from the cable sort of bundle and the guaranteed revenue through subscribers into the a la carte, only pay for what you want, uh, you're really basing that on performance and popularity, and that's going to leave out half the teams. We're, we're getting Miguel Cabrera the next three days. Where do you think when his career is over he will rank amongst right-handed hitters? Someone just asked me that this weekend because mm. I was lucky enough that I got to see Vladimir up close and he played and mm. for spring training. Remember Jeff and in, in what we saw in Jupiter mm-hmm. all those years with McGuire. And I, for me, I look at Miguel Cabrera and I put him up there with pre-steroid Manny Ramirez with Albert Pujols with yep. as, as the best I ever saw. And what Cabrera was able to do Uh, And like Guerrero, it's not that he stayed in the video room studying all the time. His ability to hit and see the ball and hit the ball was simply spectacular. He was so great off the field, complicated off the field, but great. I'm so proud of his career. 
And uh, it's sad. It's sad to me because it's the passage of time. So I internalize it as myself getting old. But I look at pictures of him when we called him up in 03. And I smile at the ring that we were able to get for him. And I lament the fact that he said to me, this is great. And I'll never forget this in 04. He said, we're going to do this every year, right? (laughs) And uh, he's never been able to get the other ring. It's really hard to win a ring, as everyone knows. And uh, I'm proud that we were a part of his one ring, and he is a first ballot and who should be a unanimous Hall of Famer. Uh, David, you changed your mind. The last couple of years hasn't been real good for him, right? I think the last time, what, he hit uh, 299 in 2018. The last time he hit 300 was 2016. Change your mind about the last couple of years, right? The age, the the bat speed, just you, you can tell, right? It's the end, and he's sort of holding on and wants to be that that guy that the young guys for Detroit comes up and asks about certain things. Change your mind about the last couple of years, the way they've looked about him. No, I've pretty much ignored the last couple of years on yeah. the field. It was fun to watch him get his 3,000th, et cetera, and I think he got his, what, 500th double or 600th? I can't remember sure. what number it was, but... I guess my view is that uh, there's certain players who just don't want to leave and they don't want to face what life will be like after baseball. I can tell you he was doing it to make sure he got the money, but they would have negotiated a buyout that he still would have gotten his money and maybe just deferred it over a number of years if he had agreed to leave and retire and open up a roster spot. But at the end of the day, he loves it so much that he can't imagine what life will be after baseball. Mm -hmm. It's been part of his life his whole life. So I don't ever hold it against a player when they want the uniform ripped off them because I totally understand it. You know, I was let go. I left baseball guys. This is my sixth year uh, out of the game. And I believe I would have been the same where you had to rip the pen out of my hand, right. To get me out of the game. It's that sort of feeling when you've been doing something for so long. So I get it. David, we're going to let you scoot. Appreciate you doing this, man. Great stuff. Thank you. Hey, have a great day. Thank Thank you. you too. Bye-bye. David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. That's the podcast. He's now he's now involved with Metal Arc Media. He's the former president of the that that it's a Miami slash Florida Marlins. Yeah, that that's an intriguing conversation. We see it with Joey Votto, right? We we've seen it with Albert Pujols. Now Joey Votto, think what you want, whether he's a Hall of Famer or not. That that's a you know topic for another day. But the the last couple of years, it's just like you can see the end of the the end. At, yeah. at the end of the tunnel, right? You literally can see it just by performance. And it's, I, I wonder how when you're, when you're back sitting on your couch and you're thinking about that player, right? Hall of Famers for me, Jeff, have to be really good at the end of, the, uh, of their 30s. I'm not saying Cabrera's not a, a shoe-in first ballot Hall of Famer because he is. It, but they, they really have to be good at the end of their career, end of their 30s. And just the way they sort of ended their career. I don't know, the conversation. You know what? I... No, it's I've I've thought about this and I and I will say this because I've had questions about Hall of Famers who kind of hang in, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think I think the reason people are willing to overlook that is because at least they're not using steroids. And and that was one of the one of the issues I think with a lot of I didn't like, and I made my point about PEDs and steroids clear. So I, I know I'm in the minority on it. But I know a lot of people would have looked at a post-career splurge by a player and they found out that steroids were involved, they would devalue it. I think now we're a little more 
accepting of a player's decreasing value. And you know who I think may have or decreasing performance? I think Derek Jeter may have helped that a little bit because he did play for a couple of years longer than we would have liked. I also think, frankly, Albert Pujols did everybody a great favor last year by having the year that he had well, last DH year. Helped, right? The DH helped. So, sure. no, I think... I think people are more, they're more willing, when I say people, Hall of Fame voters, are more willing to look at a guy now and go, yeah, the guy hung in maybe a year or two years longer, Mm -hmm. but that was just the sign of age. And the one thing I like about Miggy, there's a lot of things I like about Miggy, but it has not been an issue these last two years. I admit last year, I thought it was going to be an issue because the Tigers were having some young guys coming through and all that. I don't think it's an issue because they, they're not a very good team. They're not good, but they're if, not a very good it, team. It, as long as, that with him. as long as you see that, yeah, I think you're okay with it. Like, it hasn't changed. It has not changed my mind about him at all. It has not changed you. Joey Votto's an interesting cat because you can have an argument about whether or not he, he's the first ballot. No, no, I don't right. think he's the not first ballot no, Hall not, of Famer. Oh, he's absolutely not. I think he, he, he might not. be. He might be a guy who'll get in on the fourth, fifth, or sixth. Yeah, but for me, he's not, not a first not ballot even, Hall of Famer. Not even close. Uh, but these other two, I mean, Miggy's triple crown, man. No, you know, you no went, question. You do that, and you're. I'm not saying he's great. I just wonder about that. You know, that that true fan that sits around and actually thinks about. You know, I don't want to say it's sad, but I, but the, he was such a great hitter. It's like Pujols, right? He's, he Pujols did things with his lower half mm-hmm. to try and make his back quicker. See, the, like he added a leg kick to try and get the ball in the air. Yeah, because he's slow just to try yeah. to, to not. And I, this is just me. And I have never asked him. Never had a conversation with him. It's more about I just don't want to embarrass myself. And these these elite hitters get to the point where they just don't want to be embarrassed. Um, and I just I just wonder if you walked up to Cabrera and was like, hey, you know, maybe. A couple years ago, and he probably went, yeah, you, you, you could have had an argument The other there. thing, too, is he has not played, and I will give Miggy a crap ton of credit for this. He is not asked to move well, to a ball. He gets it. He gets it. He's not asked to move to a ballpark where it's easy to hit in. Ah, uh, that's – that's. That, I mean, you've got to take that into consideration. That's That ballpark was Death Valley for a while. So I, I'm, I'm completely Maybe. okay with uh, – and you know what? Thank God – Given, given what we've seen about of the Tigers right now, at least if you're taking your kid to a Tigers game, you can say, hey, let's go see a first Well, we're talking about it. He's coming here, and they're not a very good team. Yeah. Right? No, I. Uh, it is respect. I just wonder. That's all. It's you the- know what, though, David? What did we say before when we were talking about this before before he went in the air and we were talking about best right-handed hitters you've ever seen? Pujols. And, and I said Pujols. But then what did I say? The same thing Samson did? I said I threw Manny Ramirez out there, but then, as you said, he was a cheater, and and he was Big a cheater. cheater. But yeah, Manny, Manny's on that list. Five best right-handed hitters I've seen. Manny's on that list. Manny might be number three. Manny and uh, yeah. Vladdy are kind of That's Vladdy two, Senior two are kind, kind of, close, of hitters. But, you know, uh, Manny was sort of total package. Eliminate all the stuff. Dude, that I was saw doing Manny hit a home field. run into the exit, into yeah, an exit. You, like into an he in, was into the total package. At the Rogers he would go Center. three for four a lot with two homers. Yeah. Like he had all of it, right? He had everything. Run producer, hit for high average. You know, just couldn't field worth it. You know what? So it was Manny, uh, Barry Bonds, 
the two must-watch BPs like, in baseball like for Pujols me. was a Hall of Fame first baseman yeah. on defensive side when he was healthy, and he was a young player. So he was both sides of the ball. Manny was not a very good outfielder. He um, was laughable. So, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. It's, it's intriguing to have that conversation. We're, we've got a trivia question here. We've got a chance to give away Jay's tickets. But I wanted to, I wanted you to tell the, the, the Miggy story. Was it was it Miggy you were talking about hitting off the – no, that's Pujols. Oh, it was Pujols hitting off the tee. That, that was pool, how that high? was Pujols. Well, Pujols. He, does, he does the high tee all the time. And I, yeah. and I was, well, you know, when I was a very young player, and I think it was spring training a couple of times that I'd seen him, and he talks a lot about doing the high tee, and I walked in a stadium, and I could hear loud noises. And I was like, what was that? And you could see a guy at, the, at home plate. And I was like, man, who's that boy? It looks familiar. Because the stance that he used to have, right, it was real wide. Yep. And it looked, it just didn't look comfortable. Yeah. Like everybody, everybody could picture him when he was a young man. And he was, was kind of like, was uh, didn't Jeff Bag? Jeff Bagwell kind of had that look, same. Didn't look yeah. right. And you could tell it was him at the plate. Yeah. And I was like really zoned in on him. And he was doing the high tee. And he was the only guy out there. Like he was, he was really, because I always got to the field. I was happy to be a big mm-hmm. leaguer. I was happy, you know, it was, I was there, and it was just funny to see sort of, you know, you hear Judge and the way he talks about his swing and how big he is, and he's trying to combat that by just bat path and not being too steep. And then you see the guy go out, and he talks about hitting off the tee, and then he makes that adjustment about, you know, it's not 20, it's not 2005 anymore. you got to make adjustments, try to get the ball in the air. It's just evolving into and how these special elite hitters do things. I don't know. It's just you try – again – I was awful at taking a little and letting everything mm. go out one side. I wanted to take everything in. You know, you get all this information, you're trying to stay in the big leagues, and I was awful at it. Like, I just, I wish if I could have a, a conversation with the younger me and just say there are going to be a lot of people come up and want to stamp, you know, put their stamp on you and be the person that turned you into that barker that everybody wanted you to be. But, uh, take a little bit of it and let everything else, you know, go, go always, away. And I never was good at that. I've always remembered the, and I've mentioned this several times, and I, I just think it's such a, I remember a conversation with Paul Quantrill and Pat Henkin, uh, breakfast at the Holiday Inn in Dunedin. This is like, I don't know, four years ago. And we're talking about Cal. Yeah. And one of the things Paul said is the key to Cal's success was he eventually learned how to look somebody in the eye and say, go bleep yourself. Yeah, it's very hard. Very hard. <laughs> Basically, yeah, I'm doing best, what I'm going to like. The best conversations that I can remember is we could have, now that's just when we could have cold ones after the game, right? Yeah. And and the, the the they were so cold in the big leagues. Like you could get that that hot shower and you'd have a cold one and you'd be having a conversation with a guy that's a really good hitter. It's been around for a long time. And, and you know, they were doing stances and it's just yeah. the, I can remember those weird little times that I was having conversations. You're sitting, you're sliding shorts, you still got your eye black on. You know, you're having a cold and you're just breaking down every little. I know you as Ryder, just those those are the best times. Yeah, there are times. Just you, you, get, you and him, and you're just hanging out, and you're just talking about counts and lower half, and it's just it's the greatest conversation. And then you get 15 people around there, and there's 15 different conversations. And it's impossible to say Everybody's no to 14 of them. It's impossible to say four, no to 14 of them. Really is everybody. Uh, everybody has an opinion. Absolutely, do that. Uh, we're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker. Whether you listen on the radio or on the podcast, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to five ninety five ninety. Friday's question was: This former Blue Jays catcher ended his playing career as a member of the Rays in twenty fifteen. I thought there might be a little trick thing in here, Kevin Cash, because Cash was a former Blue Jays catcher. The answer was J.P. Aaron Sebia. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, former Blue Jays catcher ended his playing career as a member of the Rays in 2015. I think I also came up with Josh Phelps, who I believe was a catcher at one point, but that was not. Yeah. was wrong. That's a decent guess. Uh, today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Rays down at the Rogers Center on April 16th. Don't know how I feel about this one. What year did the Rays post their first winning season? That's a little uh, hard. Well, yeah. Because, you know, everybody's going, well, I think it was sometime between this and that. Anyhow, you have to look it up. What year did the Rays post their first winning season? Text the answer to 590-590 for your what, shot to win. What is the year? Show it to me. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash yeah, 590. Yeah, you got that? Yeah. You would not. <laughs> First winning season? To, no, because, well, because I'm not going to give it away. Yes, I would have because of First try, like how it ended. And right. because uh, I remember, I remember. Okay. I hear you. Yeah, I remember yeah. writing it. Every, oh, okay. right? Because it was, yeah, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I cared then in that yeah. year. <laughs> that was my first year. My sin. first year of raise up. What year did the raise? <laughs> yeah. Post their uh, first winning season. Text the answer to five ninety five. It's a good one though. Shot to win. I guess it Most is. You yeah. have to look it up. I See would rules have to. at sportsnet.ca slash five ninety. Speaking of the Rays, they are the hottest team in baseball. They're a big deal. They are in Toronto at the end of the week. But we decided what they've done is so important and so interesting. We want to talk about them right now. I should have worn. Well, I'm wearing my Rays race colors here. I could have worn my Rays hat in. Mark Topkin is the Tampa Bay Times beat reporter. If it's happened for the with. You have donut socks? Shut up. <laughs> if it happened if it happened to the Rays, he That's wrote the awesome. story on it. And they're blue. Mark Topkin joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 That's The That's the fan. greatest thing I've ever seen. Donut socks, Christmas gifts. Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the back leg line is open. The numbers are 416-413-3959. What are you pointing for? The number. You always mess it up. Yeah, those are questions, comments for Barker. Don't make them suck, okay? <laughs> That's from our, You're not uh, supposed our, to say our, that. our crack You're our not... crack our crack production staff has has asked me to yeah, uh, to pass along. Raise, raise your game. Tomorrow's the home opener. Raise your game for... Bring it. For God's sake. You know. 416-413-3959. Why not? I don't know those people. Again, 416-413-3959. Uh, Operators you're, you're, are standing by. You're amazing. I've got all this paper here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hate it when you, when you bring stats. Stat, you bring Gosh. your stat. When well, you bring a, stats... It's rare. Because stats will make your head pop off, but and there's en- <laughs> there's enough people that will tell you enough stats to yeah. get you through the week. Yeah. So that's true. <laughs> there's enough. Not this show, but today I thought I had to. Yeah. I needed to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know what? I I I stopped taking math after grade twelve. I don't need any more math. It's too complicated for me. Uh, How do you get those numbers? That's the question. The uh, Jays will play their home opener tomorrow against the. What are you doing? Thumbs against up. the Detroit Guess Tigers on. at the Rogers Center. First Game, time. of course, will be on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet. <laughs> Don't let it be. Uh, the Jays have today off after that six and four road trip. Oh, I'm silly today. 
I got three games against the Tigers. And then I'm not even calling them the little team that couldn't anymore. The juggernaut Rays come in. Yeah, yeah. The Rays are 9-0. and Okay. They got four games against Boston. Kevin, right now they're what? I mean, I'm just going to say. Okay, okay. Let's, let's stop talking about that. Yeah. But the, the Jays' next 18 games, mm. what would be a good record? 500? Above 500. Where are they playing again? Detroit for three. Got to win Tampa three. Tampa for three. Those six are at home. Might win one Houston, of three against Houston, the Tampa. Yankees, those six are on the road. The uh, White Sox, Seattle, those six are at home. So you have six, six, and six, and the middle six are on the road. That would be the Astros and the Yankees. So what do you think? 18? I can see them going 10 and 12. Yeah, that's not math. 18 games, 10 and 12. Or whatever. Hang on. <laughs> they should be. Okay, here's what we'll do. Three of three. Like, yeah, math. Shut up. Three of three against the Tigers. They'll take one of three against the Rays. Who do they play after that? Just pick a number. Like, Houston. One of three against Houston. Ten and eight. How's then they got eight? what? Then they got what after Houston? Ten and eight. Oh, ten. Yankees. Yeah, they'll go nine and nine. They'll go 500. <laughs> It's going to be a five. Ten and, ten and 12. <laughs> Shut up. This is going to be a 500 month. Let's bring in uh, Mark Topkin, Jeez. Tampa Bay Times. That's three reporter. minutes I'll never get back. Tell you what, Mark, thanks so much for hanging in there, man. I know that's three quality minutes. <laughs> you just, you just had, you just, you just, you now know what happens when you got a dude who took six years to get his BA at the University of Manitoba and a dude who went to Virginia Tech sit down and do math. I haven't math. graduated yet. Yeah. So I uh, I apologize. Topkin's not even back. He's not. He's not even paying attention. I'm just I'm just glad you're such an eloquent wordsmith, Jeff, to make up for your lack of. Well math. said. There you go. Oh, you nailed that. Yeah, I did. Uh, you've seen an awful lot in your days covering the Tampa Bay Rays. Have you seen anything like this? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad you didn't say that you were asking me to compare them to the 1884 Maroons that I covered too, because that would have really been rough. No, I can uh, remember. No, look, I can I remember mean, the 1884 Ramoons. I remember old Spanky Fitzgibbons and those 1884 Fred Dunlap, Maroons. player manager, fighting Fred Dunlap. That's right. Look, uh, <laughs> no, we have we here? haven't seen we haven't seen anything like this. I mean, certainly not here. Uh, the Rays' best start to any season had been three and zero. They'd only done that three times, uh, and and here they are three and zero, four zero, five zero, six zero, seven zero, eight zero, nine zero. That was just to help you guys with the remedial part. Thank you. Thank you. Um, going for the tenth one tonight, so. And I think this is probably not like earth shattering to say, but the wins have obviously been good for the Rays, but the way they have played, the way they have piled them up, the way they have hit specifically given all the questions coming off of last year, given the decision by front office to not do anything to bolster the offense after such a down year last year. So that is probably, or I know that is what the Rays are most encouraged about. And, and look, the confidence that builds from that. Yes. Caveat asterisk whatever you guys want to call it they played detroit washington and oakland if there was relegation we would be talking about those teams if there was relegation like there is in soccer here so you have to acknowledge that and detroit's the best of those three by the way if you i know you said detroit's coming up for the blue jays detroit's the best team out of those three so huh. they have they have fattened up on that group they have taken advantage the schedule is going to even out. They've got a, I heard you just talking about the Jays upcoming schedule. The Rays have a run in May where it's like all Yankees, Mets, Jays, 
uh, Dodgers, um, Brewers, like a lot of contending teams. And they're also in a stretch right now of 13 straight and 52 out of 55. So their depth is going to get tested. They've got a couple guys banged up already. But all that said, yeah, this has been really good for them. They've done it in a really encouraging way. They've built a ton of confidence out of doing this, which is also going to help them going forward. Uh, forget about who they played. Bigger surprise for you, the way their lineup has scored runs or Jeffrey Springs starts? Uh, even though Jeffrey Springs has gone 13 innings and given up, what, two hits, three hits, and no mm-hmm. runs and something like that, I would still say the offense. That was that was the question mark coming in. Look, they did nothing to improve an offense that was mediocre at best last year. It was down 200 runs from the previous year. Uh, we knew they missed some injured players. We knew they had some young players that struggled, but I don't think anyone would have expected them to be leading the majors in runs and home runs and just piling it on and playing and swinging the way they are. And again, we will see when they face better pitching, and they're going to be lulls, as you guys well know, over the course of a long season. There'll be several lulls. But I think there is some uh, intangible benefit to doing this at the start of the year, to build that confidence so that when you do have that lull, you know you can do it. Whereas if you started slow, and look, us media people would would, – we would – make that a bigger deal. We would announce that. We would enhance that. We would amplify that of, oh, here they go again. They're struggling again. They didn't do anything. They should have signed this guy. They should have signed that guy. By starting the way they did, they've kind of quieted that talk. They've built some confidence in that clubhouse, and that's all going to benefit them when they do struggle later on. Well, Wander Franco's healthy. That, that's a big deal, right? He's hitting 351 with four homers. But I got to ask, is the approach different, right? The, the race way that I can remember is, you know, the the – the, the things in the middle of the infield, they're, them trying to hit the ball in the air, right? They're striking out a bunch and trying to hit home runs all the time. Has the approach changed? Is it line drives? Is it What is it? I think it's a combination. I think it's the fact that the way this lineup is built, if you kind of go through these guys and look at the strengths of each individual hitter, they've got a pretty good mix. They've got some contact guys. Franco has four homers, but he really is a contact guy. He is way, you know, he is way down on strikeouts. He does not strike out very much. Rosarena is going to swing and miss a lot. He's going to make contact, too. So a little bit of balance there. Luke Rayleigh, who's kind of one of the surprises for them. They're calling him Nuke Rayleigh, by the way, now, oh, wow. the way he's been hitting the ball. Uh, just a little insider tip, pro tip for you there. Mm. Uh, he was a swing and miss guy. He made some adjustments. He's done a better job of making contact. Jose Siri just went on the IL, but he had a great first week. He might have been the biggest surprise of the first week, how well he played on all avenues, finding ways to put the ball in play, use his speed, all that. He's been a swing and miss guy. So I think they have a balance. So I don't know if it's a change in approach as much as a, as much as a balance of swing and miss guys, contact guys, power guys, speed guys, a little bit of everything in there. Guys that pull, pull heavy guys that will go oppo. We saw Brandon Lau hit an opposite field homer yesterday. He hasn't done that in a while. So I think there's just a pretty good mix there. The only thing they did talk about in spring, a change of approach into more of a see the ball, control the count, like find that, you know, don't, don't wait for the perfect pitch, find the, but, you know, be a little bit more aggressive mm-hmm. in a way. So it's, it's kind of, I, I don't know. It sounds good when they say it. It's hard when you, when you actually like think you're writing something about it, you're like, what does this actually mean? Like mm-hmm. see the ball, but, but it, it, there's something there. And there is something Chad Matola, who used to be with the Jays works really hard. He works has a great rapport with the hitters. Kevin Cash raves about the job he's done. And look, he went to those guys and said, you weren't very good last year. We got to figure this out. And they were all willing to buy in in spring and, and tweak the approach a little bit. 
So what's the plan for Tyler Glasnow when he comes back? Are they <clears throat> are, are they going to be a little careful with him in terms of innings and just, I mean, good God, if they're whatever, uh, you know, 16 and two or whatever the hell it's going to be when he comes back, whatever it is, they'll, they'll have some, they'll have some wiggle room there, but what are they thinking right now with him? Well, in, in one of those weird ways that in, when it happens, they don't think this and after it happens, they're like, Oh yeah, this is, it kind of worked out in that he'll, he'll miss the first six weeks or so because he would have been on somewhat of an innings limit before. And mm-hmm. by coming back in mid May or so, he should be fairly unbridled. I mean, I'm sure the first starter to just having, you know, been behind and wanting to make sure he doesn't, you know, max effort it and hurt himself again with the oblique. But once he gets out there and pitches once or twice, it, you know, probably four or five inning limit the first couple times, he'll be pretty much full go. Cause whatever this number secret, super top secret number that they'd have to kill us if they told us was for his innings, he apparently won't top that by having missed the first six weeks of the season. So, Rather than have you know skipped him once in a while, moved him back in the rotation, so he pitched every six or seven. He should be on pretty much in every five, like the rest of these guys. And uh, boy, I yeah. got to tell you that rotation. I know we talked about the offense being the bigger surprise, but the potential, the potential, the way these guys certainly have pitched coming out of the gate. And then there's an you, you can you can have a question on each one, which is fair. I mean, each guy you can have a little bit of a question on, but. The work so far, the first couple times through, and then if you add glass now to that, really does seem uh, pretty dominant, pretty impressive. Topper, really good of you to join nice, us, my uh, friend. Thanks so much. We'll see you in uh, about four or five days. Have fun. See you, see you on Friday, guys. Take care. Take care. That is uh, Mark Topkin. He is the Tampa Bay Times. You know what you do? You know what that? You know why report. the rot- <clears throat> you know why that rotation is so uh, important. Just like the Blue Jays I mentioned have to, well, I don't say have to, but have close to 900 innings pitched from the rotation. You're trying to save the pen because you want to abuse your pen in the playoffs. You really do, right? You want to throw every single possible arm. And the healthier, more lively stuff you have from that pen, the better off you're going to be. And if those starters can go deeper and save that pen to where he doesn't have, Kevin Cash doesn't have to use five or six bullpen arms a day, it's... I mean, that's, you know, what do you do? How do you beat them? You know, the other thing too, Mark made a great point because I hadn't really thought of this, but they didn't, they didn't make an ad to their, to their lineup. What does that say about an organization? They come off a down offensive year. No, you, you assume a healthy Wander Franco is going to give you more stuff. I think that's what they were, they were banking on that, but. That's still you gotta have a lot of faith in your your Harold Ramirez's, Brandon, your, your Jose series, like, your Brandon Lau. Like I think that was what it was. If you get some guys healthy with uh, with Randy or Rosarena, now all of a sudden your lineup's gonna be the way it's supposed to be and you don't have to add pieces. I think that's what they're banking on. And and I think their rotation is that good. Like if they're healthy and they can give some innings, I mean could play, you see playoff time comes and they got their pin and it's healthy. And, and and they're having the approach of, you know, don't strike out as much. I mean, that's sort of why they lost in the playoffs last year. It wasn't pitching. It's because they weren't putting balls in play and they weren't scoring runs. What if they're doing that now? Ah, maybe maybe we're hyping it up too much, but oh, I, I mean, I'm with Mark. You still, you still got to – who cares who they're playing? Like, you still got to go right. out and beat them. Listen, it doesn't matter who – Not look, their fault. The Jays played the Kansas City Royals. They're not a very good team. And they you gave know, them, You know what it gives and them? They gave it some, gives the cargo shorts in the underground city – you know, something to doubt. Now they can go, well, heck almighty. We, we just went 9-0. How heck, do we apply? Heck almighty. Yeah. How do we apply that 
to all these other teams that mm. we're about to play. Oh, you know them cargo shorts, boy, working overtime on their swings. They're just. <laughs> you know what time it is? 416-413-3959. It's the back leg line. Uh, what What is this? Uh, should I show no. people? What is this symbol on here? It, it was completely you're, you're un- number one, com- completely unnecessary, Boffo. <laughs> yeah. You should have colored it in. It's completely unnecessary. But anyhow, and I have no idea why you would uh why you would do that to me. I'm frankly you're, I'm a the little, number one sign. I'm a little disappointed it being Easter and all. Uh Rob from Peterborough. I had a question about the two pickoff uh limit in uh in the game now. When Bichette was on first, they uh tried to pick him off twice and would that not just mean for the base runner to go on first motion the next time the pitcher starts and on the other side is there a thought process that might say we're going to go to the runner into trying to steal a base after uh, one pickoff attempt that's my question thank you very much yeah absolutely baseball what baseball doesn't want is 35 throws over to first base that uh, that and and that and and giving the the runner a little more of a free leash. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. But the thing is, too, you got to remember, the other team knows too that after two pickoff attempts, you're going to be probably running. So uh, you know it plays into both into both teams' hands. Um, I don't know how I feel about the I that rule. I, you have to do it because otherwise, guys would use pickoff attempts as a means of. Slowing the game down, uh-huh. right? You can't uh-huh. have a pitch clock or a pitch timer, and then and and then not limit this because guys would just if there was somebody in base, they'd throw over six times. Yeah, I don't, I while don't, they're fiddling around with the button. The, the best I understand, the most uh, the good base runners that I that I you have talked to, you want to simplify it as much as possible and get trying to get a guy to throw over a couple of times. It's a hard thing to yeah. do. And the other thing now, I've I always just assume with video on that now, guys know a pickoff attempt. Sure, guys know sure. a dude's move. You don't want to run yourself out yeah. of innings. You want to be smart. It's, it depends on the runner, all the things. So that's a good question. Yeah. I would say the to second part of that is probably not a lot. Sebastian in Oakville, he called in the back leg line. So my question is, you guys are saying that this bullpen isn't good enough to win a World Series, which I completely agree with. Mm. So my question to you is, who do they need to add to make it better? And who is the ultimate trade deadline target for them? Thanks, guys. Trade deadline target. I don't know. I do know that Nate Pearson's averaging 98.6 miles an hour. Yasver Zulueta. They're going to bring both of those. They're going to bring those guys up before they, they make a deal with the bullpen. Here, you know what? Trevor Richard is my guy bet, in the bet, bullpen right bet, now. Bednar uh, for the Pirates would look really good. He's an eighth inning guy. You could Now you could have Garcia and uh and uh swanson as sort of your hybrid rover guys and they right? may ha- you don't have to match match up as much i mean that's a name you'd have to do a little bit more digging. May, it's awfully early in the season they may have a guy too let's see what happens with chad green chad green's on the roster yeah, just like i'm beginning I mean, to think that maybe we need to do a little deeper dive into chad green and hyunjin ryu and try to figure out where those guys figure in down the stretch if you haven't seen a pitch though, but right? no that, that's true but right now my sense is that nate pearson or zulueta will be will be the guys that'll be up here and you know maybe trevor maybe trevor richards loses a spot i look at that that bullpen and i i mean you're not gonna you're not gonna romano uh uh swanson garcia and simber are all gonna be there zach pop is gonna be in the organization maybe he goes down to triple a and they just say son you're gonna be our closer have at it 
But other than that, I mean, you could Tim Mesa. I mean, you could you could replace a whole bunch of like those him. guys. I think they like him. You could replace some people like him in that staff. I think you could replace a whole bunch of guys. Uh, not a whole bunch of guys. You could replace three guys in that bullpen very easily. Um, that's the way I like it. Nate Pearson's going to be up here in a month. Well, you like Nate Pearson. Right? I, I'm just saying. No, why not? He's a he's a minor leaguer throwing hard. I don't care if he. I don't care anything about. He's not a prospect anymore. If he can come up here and help me for a week, he can come up and help me for a week, and then I can send his ass back down. Him or Trevor Richards? Oh, Pearson, easily. Not even close. Not even close. You would have been okay putting Nate Pearson in that spot that Rich, Richards was in yesterday. I didn't say that. Might well, you been, just did. I didn't say it. If you have Nate Pearson, you've got to use your bullpen differently. I'm not saying that he comes in. I'm not saying that he comes in and replaces Richards. I'm saying he's better in the bullpen, and then you adjust Boy, it accordingly. you are circling them wagons. Uh, that's it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The fan. Have yourself a great day.